This is a Dece World production in association with Pants Pending Studios. They're not PC So if occasional foul language turns you off Then you have all been warned This is the call before the storm I'll admit, I feel a little bit of pedophilia going on right now Get ready for the social hour Live from Dece World Studios in San Antonio, Texas, this is The Social Hour. On today's show, comic book creator Ken Keller. And now your host. Ever since he moved to Texas, people have been asking him the same question. Did they give you a gun when you moved to Texas? No, that's ridiculous. They gave him three guns, motherfucker! Let's go! Dees Casillas! Malabkeen, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is The Social Hour. I am Dees. Thank you for coming back for another episode, and thank you for your patience. I know I've been away a couple weeks. I kept promising a new episode, and I fucking failed you. But I'm back now, and that's what's important. Uh, we'll talk all about that later, and... Um, why it's taken me so long and all my adventures over the last few weeks while I've been moving and uh, touring. So we'll get that. We'll talk to that about that probably next week when I've got some more time and I, uh, it's probably going to be just me in studio. And by then, hopefully I'll be back in a studio. Uh, right now I'm just kind of in a side room of my house, um, which is my de facto studio uh currently but there'll be a studio there'll be a show and uh that'll all be happening uh as usual though go to dececomedy.com check out everything going on across the network uh again new shows every wednesday coming uh live dates i've got the next couple weeks off i'm taking a little breather to enjoy my new home but uh the 23rd and 24th i'll be in houston texas and then uh got a big uh midwest leg of the tour starting in about mid-march so uh, hop on the calendar and you'll see dates start popping up for that as well as other social hour comedy shows going on across the country all the time so uh and if you like what you hear tell a friend guys i'm trying to grow the show again i've been behind on that so you know as usual share let people know and uh, tell them to tune in so uh otherwise we're gonna get the commercials out of the way we're gonna get right into it with our guest uh he comes all the way from from Florida via the internet, well, magical internet, uh, the creator of the Red Talon comic book, Ken Keller. Ken, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Feels really awesome to be here. I really appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, thanks for making the time. I appreciate you uh, you doing this. This will be uh, this will be fun. I I found Ken through there's a facebook group which is uh comic book creators or collab yes. collaborate i forget it's it's given it's a, one of them i'm yeah, in a bunch of them it's i like it's like comic creators collaborating United? creatively it's like oh, okay. it's all about it's all about alliteration which i love it's like yeah. it's, it's like an C-C-C. homage to the silver age you know everything is uh you know scott summers reed richards uh you have to have like oh, yeah. you know, uh 
alliteration, but great characters. That's right. The uh, so we we uh, connected through that, and he has a uh, recently introduced comic book, Red Talon, which we're going to talk all about uh, how that came to be. But before we before we heated up the mics, uh, Ken had asked me a question of how I got to yes. this point of. Um, interviewing comic book creators and things of that nature so um i thought i would answer that question on air to for a little uh, little content here um to answer your question ken i uh a long time comic book fan love comic books always have awesome um and actually I'm personally working on a comic book i've uh is slowly been working on for a while uh um, yeah it's it's tough with my schedule but um so and I like talking to comic book creators. I like I like promoting the art. I like talking about yeah. their process. I like talking about what um, their book and uh, and also helping to promote it. You know, if I can, I think it's such an important medium. Um, so if I can help promote something, get a couple more eyes on it, um, I like that. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things where I've been. Like I've moved to San Antonio recently, and I've been looking for a local comic book shop. Yeah. Um, and I was telling my buddy who runs the shop where I used to live, I'm like, yeah, I can't find a shop that I like. And I go, you know, I could order my comic books online, have them delivered to my house once a month and get 40% yeah. off and blah, blah, blah. But like I would rather pay more. Same. Yeah, I'd rather pay more and have like the comic book yeah. shop experience and make sure that those comic book shops are still around, you know? Oh yeah, it's good to support locals and every time I go in a local comic shop, it's like so cool to see all the comics on the wall and you know the handful of uh small comic shops that have put my book in their shop is yeah. always really a cool feeling to get a yes that yeah, we're going to stock uh your book. And that's actually what really got me started. Yeah. is just getting my book in the first comic store, which is Emerald City Comics in Pinellas Park, Florida. Mhm. And from there, I had the first version of my book in the store. And that's where my publisher, Joe Spicer of Starcross Comics, he's been doing the indie comics thing for over 20 years. That's where he found my book and invited me into the Starcross family. Oh, wow. So that's really what got me started. So you let's um, I, I want to circle back to that. Let's start yeah. with talking about. Uh, you a little bit before we okay. dive right into the book. You're um, you're in Florida. Have you are you from Florida? Yeah. You always live there. I have always lived here. Um, you know, I'm probably gonna want to retire and settle in maybe like Georgia or something because okay. my family has property over there. But until you know, my parents they're like nearing sixty pretty soon. I'm only twenty eight, so until my parents kind of pass, I kind of want to stay in Florida sure. just to get that that time with them. Yeah. And then, you know, after that happens later in life, then I'm really open to moving around and trying to find like my next my next place to grow, really. Yeah. So you like Florida. Florida's not bad for you. Huh? What part of Florida are you I in? I mean, I love part. I'm uh, from Tampa Bay. I love okay. Florida, but I don't love, you know, how much it's costing to live here now. Oh, it's sure. like one of the most expensive places to live now. So I hear they just keep hiking the rent and housing just keeps going up other than that i love it <laughs> i gotta tell i was in florida uh for the or not in florida but in tampa bay for the first time a couple of years ago yeah. and i remember we drove by the tampa bay's buccaneers stadium yeah and i'm like 
why this thing looks like a high school stadium it looks know, so right? tiny. i'm like this there's no way an nfl team plays here right it was yeah. so crazy to me to think that that was you know because you you know i'm from la and i oh, you know yeah. so I, everything's big there yeah sure. so i'm used to like the coliseum where the you know raiders played you know like holds yeah. 120,000 people or you know where the rams played or the rose bowl you know shit yeah. like that and then i see this ta- and my buddy's like oh yeah that's where the tampa bay buccaneers <laughs> play i'm like like their practice field and he goes no that's the that's the real stadium I'm like holy yeah. shit <laughs> and that's my team you know it's always been my family's team is the bucks even when we sucked and yeah. you know well that's that's I'm good i'm still a bucks fan because that's that's the local thing you know yeah tom how do you feel about brady retiring uh it's kind of bittersweet um yeah. i'm just glad we had brady i think sure. that was an awesome ending chapter for him even though you know i really wanted him to get that eighth ring before yeah. he retired and it just didn't play out that way uh, I think it's for the best he retires, just the way, you know, things went this season. But definitely going to miss having, you know, Tom Brady on the team. Even if we didn't have, like, a winning season, I just thought it was really cool to have one of the, the goats yeah. on our team. I mean, hate him or love him, you know. Yeah. And and honestly, like, I, I was not a Tom Brady fan most of my life because I – being from, being from L.A., I hate everything <laughs> Boston, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I hate it on Tom Brady, but I mean, you say one of the goats, I think yeah. that guy might be the greatest quarterback he of all is, time. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I think, I don't think you can really, I mean, maybe, maybe Montana, you know, but yeah. even Montana, it's like, God, you start looking at stats and, you know, just, I think where Tom Brady really proved it is, you know, you know, it's everyone's, I'm sure heard this a million times, but you know, it was always kind of talked about, well, is it Belichick system that Brady's in? Can he just put another quarterback in that system and they win? But, Mm -hmm. you know, Brady splits. I mean, Brady wins the ring. Belichick doesn't, you know, so you gotta, you gotta, yeah, at that point you gotta say, I think it's the magic's in the arm, you know, the dude. Yeah. (laughs) And 2020 was such a dark year for the Bucks to have won the Super Bowl with Brady. Like, that was my grandpa's dream. Like he yeah. passed away shortly before. Oh, so I'm, man. I'm a the third kid in my family. I'm a third. Okay. So, but he called it as soon as we were going to draft Brady. My grandpa before he passed, he said we're going to go all the way to the Super Bowl and we're going to win. And he was right. Yeah. He called it before he passed away. So that was really cool for me to see um, that happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's a. I mean, what a great way to end his career, especially for a for a longtime Bucks fan. I mean, I. Oh yeah. You know, I'm a lifelong Raiders fan because I. I'm, oh, okay. I, you know, grew up as a Mexican in the '80s in LA, so you had to be. Um, yeah. And uh, the. I mean, we're perennially just a terrible team, but like you know, like you said, you got to stick with your your squad. Um, yeah. So you know, just you just gotta. The Raiders are a pretty cool team, but I'll never uh, you know forget the game that the other Super Bowl we won. I think it was what two thousand one. We played the Raiders. I think it was yeah oh one or oh two. They were the Oakland Raiders still back then. Yeah, yeah, they were. Well, yeah, because I mean they bounced. They were Oakland, then they were L A, then they were yeah Oakland again. Now they're are they L A still right now? No, are they? They're in Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. Now. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. which in that stadiums. Fuck you guys yeah. got the Chargers now, right? Yeah. yeah, LA's got the Chargers now, and the I guess the the Rams are gone now too, right? Or did the Rams yeah. come back? Or they're in St. Louis, right? I don't know. It's really hard to keep up with yeah. these days. There's been so many uh, teams switching. 
Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't have the time to watch that much football anymore, so I don't. I, I don't keep up. The uh, so what? What was it like? I I've been in Florida a couple times. I always say uh-huh. it's a beautiful state. Um, yeah. The uh, the people leave something to be desired sometimes, but it's yeah. true. <laughs> um, a lot of them do. They, uh, you know, no, present company excluded, of course. But there's. Um, what what was your experience growing up? Because I mean, obviously, like yeah. Florida is the is a punchline, you know, of you yeah. know, Florida man or the the racism or what you know, whatever. So like, yeah. what was it yeah, like? Yeah, the Florida man. Up? Definitely, I hear all kinds of wild stories. You know, growing up here, I didn't really realize that Florida was such you know a different place than maybe some other parts of the U.S. Yeah. Um. I grew up pretty normal kid, a little nerdy, you know, so, um, and then in high school, I kind of just bounced around. I played football, so I hung out with the jocks. Um, this kid I went to elementary school with was like the most gothic kid in school, so I knew like all the outcasts. Yeah. And then mainly I hung out with what we called like the normal people, which was its own group of people who really didn't fit into the other group. So I kind of knew everybody. But at the same time, I was kind of like a ghost in high school. I kind of just kind of kept to myself. And I really didn't, you know, bloom until I was maybe like 19 in college. So, you know, back then in Florida, like around that age, it's like all about partying. So I got really heavy into partying. You know, I was experimenting with drugs back then and doing different things, you know, drinking a lot, which I don't really drink much anymore. A little bit, but not like I used to when I was like 20 through 25. Um, so I started at SBC for college and I was going for English. Then I transferred to USF St. Pete and I went there for a couple of years and I eventually actually got kicked out of college cause I was partying too much. <laughs> and even though I'm a smart guy, I graduated cum laude from my high school. You know, my grades were just plummeting cause at that time my priorities were, you know, partying over anything else. And that's just kind of like what the culture is. But, you know, I got older. Yeah. I got out of that. Now um, I work at the airport full time. I do my comic book. I'm also releasing a novel, which is a 400-page novel I've worked on for six years. Oh, wow. And it's basically the origin stories of Red Talon from when he's like a 17-year-old teenager to when the comic begins. So the end of this book is going to be when the first issue of Red Talon begins. And so I've been doing Red Talon since really like 2018. I've tried to do a book a year because, you know, it's independent, you know. Yeah. I only have so much funds. It costs me over a grand every book for the art. So, you know, I do Kickstarter and they usually, you know, make their money back. I've done Comic Cons, which is great. I make money from that. But you, I also do music because music is one of my passions. Okay. I've done music since 2014. I'm in a band that I started. I do solo music. But, you know, the comic has just been so much more lucrative, even though it's not there yet where I want it to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, I still need to get more fans and stuff. The comic has shown more. I think it's just more aligned with who I am and, like, my soul and just, like, really what I do. Well, the music is just, like, a great passion. Sure. Um, like a release, basically. The... Um so like when the comic you said since 2018 is when you started the comic book what? yeah that's when the first one came out so it's uh this one right here all right red town and so you you write it and you pay you've got an artist you, you pay and has it been the same artist on every issue 
It has somewhat changed. So the first artist I ever worked with, his name is David Jackson. And he did the very first Red Talon book. Mm-hmm. He's got a very nice classic uh, comic style. I really love David Jackson's art. And he began doing the second book for me. He was the original artist. And something kind of happened where somebody in my publisher of Starcross, somebody who's not even with the company anymore, because it's different creators altogether. Yeah. They posted something political or something, and David Jackson saw it. And he, unfortunately, he just kind of was like, yeah, I don't think I can work with you anymore because you're part of this company. Jesus. So he kind of just did his own thing. I still have love for David Jackson. I think he's a great artist. I would love to work with him again. He did some of the very first pages and the cover for issue two is David Jackson's work. But unfortunately, he broke away and halfway through the book, which is the only book I'll ever do this, I transitioned to another artist, Brian Dawson, who did the entire third issue. And he's going to be doing the fourth issue as well. And the cover that you saw that got your attention, that is Brian Dawson's work. And I honestly, I think he's even better artist. His I just really like his art. It's very stylized. But my dad really likes because. Red Talon was really started by me and my father. Okay. I was about six, seven years old. You know, this is probably back around 2005, 2004. And it would be a Saturday and me and my dad would be sitting around and we would draw superheroes. That's just what we did. My dad taught me to draw and we would just make up characters. And my dad made up what was called Black Talon. He was going to have a gray and black suit. And the character I made up was Scorcher, who is one of Red Talon's main rivals. And he's like a, you know, he's a pyrokinetic. He's a fire guy. Sure. Um, But, you know, later on, you know, my family kind of gave up on it. I kept it going. I started writing the novel that I'm soon to finally release. And then I got to be about, I don't know, 23. And I said, you know what? At the time, I was like, screw the novel. I'm going to take it back to the comic book. Because that's the original idea me and my dad had. So I put the novel on a hiatus, and I found David Jackson. I started doing all the work, and I came out with the very first comic book. And it just kind of snowballed from there. So the fourth one will be coming out this year along with the novel. So what was that process like? Walk us through that process. I mean, you've got – you're writing it. you got to find yeah. – you find you uh, an artist. You know, that's whatever the page rate is um, yeah. per page. And then, you know, is he, is the artist inking and coloring it also, lettering it too, or? So the artists I've worked with have only been doing inks. And then I've worked with colorists who do the color side. The the first uh, book was colored by Thiago Brando, Brandeo. And I believe he is in South America. He's a pretty nice colorist. The second book, I believe I worked with it. And, you know, joining Starcross Comics has helped me um find an outlet to find different colorists different people you know they've been doing it for a while so i was able to get uh the colors for the second one is oh actually joe spicer colored the second book who is the founder of starcross because he he has some skills as well and finally for the third issue i think i used federico he's a really good colors i really like the colors Yep. Oh, no, I actually used Alan Emanuel, who goes by just the colorist. Okay. And 
the colors of uh, the third book I feel like are very vibrant. I really like how yeah, he did. Yeah. And for the letterer, you know, when the book first came out, my mom is in printing. She has a printing business my whole life. So she printed the very first copies of Red Talent ever. She was also the first letterer I ever had. And then when I went moved into Starcross, you know, Joe Spicer, he kind of um, recommended different lettering. So we adapted the lettering to the style of Starcross. And I think he actually lettered one of the books for me as well. Okay. So it's like a different person is doing every yeah. part of the book. It's really kind of like putting an album together because I've released albums as well. You know, yeah. you need the instrumentals somebody makes. You need the engineer who records my vocals. You need my vocals. You need it mixed. Then you need someone to do the art for the album cover to release it. So it's kind of the same process when I make my books. It's just different people coming together to help create my vision, basically. Yeah, so what's what's give us the elevator pitch on Red Talon. If you're, you know, when you're, say, uh, you're... Yeah, you you end up in a you you know you end up in an elevator with uh, uh, Eric Stevenson, the uh, publisher of Image Comics. And he's, I would love that. And That'd he's be like, awesome. I heard you have a comic book idea. We're going from the tenth floor to the first. What's the? Give me the pitch. So Red Talon is a Native American superhero because my father, you know, he has some Native American roots. He's got okay. super long hair. He used to do powwows in my backyard type thing. So he's a Native American superhero. And he's a ninja. He's trained in the ninja art, so he kicks ass. And he's not afraid, you know, he's a hero, but he's got a little bit of anti-hero. He's not afraid to kill the bad people in his way. And he's fighting this Illuminati-type group called Dark, which stands for something. And what Dark stands for is the four names of the richest families in this comic book world. And they've been around since medieval ages. So he's going against this evil Illuminati supergroup. So which one is Bush, though, in Dark? Oh, well, <laughs> we, <laughs> he would be one of them. You know, he would probably be under the main council, you know, his family. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that, that family's been around. Uh, but oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my dad's told me all about the Bush family. My dad is a conspiracy theorist. Oh, your dad's awesome. And when I was in fifth grade, he began teaching me some of the you know, conspiracies and I've done my own research. Yeah. So I can't say what's true, what's not, but a lot of those ideas have also found their way into the comic. One well, of the main goals of the bad, the bad guys is basically to open the abyss to hell on earth and unleash demons and stuff like that. So there's a spiritual aspect, there's action, really cool side characters. Honestly, Retton would fit really good into Marvel DC image. Any of them, I could really see him fitting well into the lore because they already have all kinds of stuff like that going on yeah it would just be his own corner but he's got his own universe for building too so okay so um when with this book uh yeah. and you had four you had four issues uh in four years about one a year um yeah. is so it's really is it's the is it monetary that makes it difficult to to crank them out faster or time to write you know i would say for right now it is monetary but also last year i would say it was the time to write and the fourth book so far has taken the longest time for me to write the script yeah it took me almost all of 2022 to complete it which i finally did recently but it's also the most complex plot of the books so far. Okay. 
it's really Red Talon in the fourth book, he's really amping things up. Like in the first couple books, you know, his suit, it kind of looks like early, you know, early superhero stuff, like a cloth looking suit. Yeah. In the fourth book, he gets a metal bulletproof suit. He gets retractable wings that come out of his backpack. Right. He now has tomahawks he can throw and press a button on his gauntlet and retract them. So he's getting upgraded and the plot is really thickening where we're starting to really see the bigger picture in book four. That wasn't, you know, the first couple books, he's really just fighting, fighting the bad guys right away. Yeah. The fourth book stuff is changing and it's like amping up. So it's going to be really good. So is this like, an? Are, do you envision it as an ongoing or do you have it as a finite where, you know, you've got a beginning, middle and end in 12 issues or how do you see this? I have a beginning, middle and end. And I, I think it might take 20, 50 issues to get there. Yeah. And then I think eventually me and my dad's vision for the whole story will kind of be, you know, kind of played out where we, everything we wanted to say happened. Yeah. And from there, you know, if, if we get that far, you know, Red Town may be doing way better. We might be able to have a team of writers to help us take it from our main story to where it could go next. Or, you know, the stories evolve so much from like the early sure. version of the story that you know there always could be different universe different reboots different tellings different lines of red town like i don't know if you're familiar with scout comics yeah but they offered me to join scout comics and i really wanted to and i was really tempted and they wanted to see like a whole new not the same three books that have already come out but a whole new like red talent line book come out so i love to do stuff like that too in the future where it's not just the main line of him but different books within the same universe of red talent but yeah. it could be like a complete different direction or story so is there so did, is there you didn't end up going with scout to do that is there a reason um really just because of the really i wanted to tell the story i'm telling now that i've already built with starcross comics yeah because red talent really fits really well into their universe of like angels and demons and stuff like that so I kind of want to finish the story I've been building with him now before I branched. It was a monetary thing. If I had the money to do a whole new Red Talon line with Scout, I would have jumped on it right then. But I didn't have all the funds available. And I really just want to focus on because I'm really proud of how this fourth book script has yeah. come out. And like the reception I got on the cover has been the best reception I've gotten any of the covers so far. So I think this one may do even better than the first three books so far is what I'm hoping. So in with the let's 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 go back to the original uh, book because you said you you kind of published it yourself, mm -hmm. uh, got it in some local comic book shops, and then yeah. from there it was seen and picked up. Uh, yeah. By by sorry, say Star Starcross Starcross. Um, yeah comics so uh in its original form was it uh black and white was it color how many copies it was colored you, yeah how many copies were you did you print originally um it's hard to remember but i think we only printed maybe 50 copies for the original line before yeah. we got into the comic shop and then from there there's of course changes to lettering um I think I've re-released the first one maybe three times in total as stuff changes in Starcross. Being a part of like a small publisher of different creators, there's been creators who come and go. So sometimes when somebody leaves, 
there'll be like a terminology or something connected to that creator in our shared universe yeah. that is now lost. Sure. So every so often, you know, we have to kind of like our term for our super people is now crossbreeds because they're a crossbreed of like Nephilim DNA, like angel blood from thousands of years ago yeah. passed on to now. But that term has changed a couple times since I've been with Starcross because of different creators. So stuff like that will make new edits. So new new versions of yeah. the first one have come out maybe three times, I think, the first one has come out. Interesting. So yeah, what a what a process. What what uh so what was it like going from the original uh the original book to having them find it, you know, uh and that that happening for you? It was honestly uh, pretty amazing. I mean, it was one of the first publishers to ever have approached me, but I didn't expect to go into like my first comic shop and then already have a publisher contacting me, you know, trying to get my book with them. Because yeah. he saw something in Red Talon just from that very first book. You know, I had very, the lettering wasn't good. It was just basic comic sans because at the time my mom didn't really know, you know, she had never lettered a comic book yeah. before. So I had some stuff that definitely needed to be added. It wasn't black and white, it was colored, but it was really cool to have been picked up just from that first issue, which is why I've kept going from there because, you know, doing Comic-Con, signing books for people, signing posters, because we have all kinds of different posts, is really cool. Um, I've done Great American Teaching at the elementary school I went to about Red Talon in oh, 2019. Wow. So I got to like talk to kids and help inspire kids, and they're talking about their own superheroes they want to make. and. I love that side of it too more than anything is, you know, for me, I've always had a big imagination. If I can help inspire other kids to follow their dreams in comic books, that's like the best thing there is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a great medium. And it's so, I mean, well, it's, it's coming around where it's becoming more popular again. Like when I was a kid, yeah. cause I'm, I'm, I'm 40. So when I was a kid, it was still very stigmatized, you know, up until yeah. probably around the year, you know, not, I mean, probably 2006 or so, maybe 2009, somewhere around there, it started getting cool, started turning the corner, yeah. you know. Uh, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, because I also played D&D. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a huge resurgence in that from, you know, I was I was born in 94, I wasn't around in the 80s, but I know there was like the satanic panic back oh, then. Oh, yeah, and yeah just, I remember all that. It was, yeah. It was so funny, yeah, all these, uh, all these, you know, suburban moms who were losing their shit because they thought Dungeons and Dragons was going to send their kids to hell. Or there was some. Actually, yeah. there's a great podcast. You know who Dan Cummins is? He sounds familiar. So he's, the, a, uh, he, he's a comedian, but but he also has a podcast called Time Suck. Uh, yeah. And he does these deep dives into crazy topics. A couple episodes. Oh, I've seen him, yeah. A couple episodes ago, he did one on Dungeons and Dragons. You should listen to it. You'd probably like it. I will. I'll uh, check it out. Yeah, it was probably like three weeks ago, probably three episodes back in his podcast. Uh, but it's really interesting. It's about all that, the whole, yeah, the whole uh, satanic, is it, you know, and like the he's whole. It's funny. I've seen him act and stuff. He acts too, right? He's maybe, he's maybe done some maybe acting. Maybe a couple yeah. good parts. Um, yeah, but he's really, yeah. he's been, he's been around, kicking around doing stand-up comedy for probably, oh boy, 20 years almost, you know. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. And that's probably what I've seen him on posters and stuff. So, but yeah, he's, he's funny. But that, that ups that podcast because it talks about the way how Dungeons and Dragons was started and kind yeah. of started and collapsed and started and collapsed and how the guy who started it like lost it all 
You know, he kind of. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah. You know, he. Uh, Wizards. Yeah, he he because he sold it. He sold a large stake of the company early on to mm. to help fund like the next expansion. Um, but he. Uh-huh. Uh, he sold like a 33% stake of the company or something like that. Oh, wow. And if it ended up fucking him in the end, it's like, yeah, because he, because he, he never That's imagined a big stake of the company. Yeah. He just never imagined it was going to be that as popular it was, but it, yeah. it took off soon after that. Um, but, I guess that's the reason that they started making something called advanced Dungeons and Dragons, because oh, okay. technically anything that was called just Dungeons and Dragons still had to pay. Roy- well, yeah, he had to pay like or like royalties had to be paid to these other yeah. people. So he's like, but he's like, I just slap on the name advanced and all of a sudden yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, a different thing. So it's really interesting stuff. It is just it's also interesting how Stan Lee went and sold the different rights of every superhero to different, you know, movie studios. Oh, yeah. Even though that would keep them apart, you know, he had to save Marvel at the time, and that was yeah the best way to do it. It was the only option, you know, trying to yeah. make money. I mean, I yeah, I, re- I remember that time. Yeah, I was peak comic book reading for me, and, you know, people don't remember. Yeah, in the mid-'90s, mid-later-'90s, Marvel was in bankruptcy. Like, there was talks that yeah. like, they're like – they might have to sell off their assets. Like, who knows? Maybe DC buys Marvel. And you're like, fuck, dude, that sounds crazy, you know? Yeah, that would have been – which is crazy because the 90s comics were so good. Like, reading the 90s <coughs> X-Men comics. Like, I was a huge X-Men fan. Um, I love the 90s, like X-Force, like yeah. Cable, Dead. There were so many, like, really awesome Marvel characters who came to be in the 90s. Yeah. But I guess at the same time, they weren't doing so good. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, the, the 90s had a vibe. It's a very gluttonous, over the top. Yeah. But it's like, there's fun. There's It's fun. Like, it's not, yeah. the stories aren't as deep as, yeah. or as well thought out as what we get today. But man, were they, it was just a, you know, a fun romp. The, uh, yeah, and the art style is, you know, totally evolved since then where yeah. you don't really see that 90s art much anymore except for people who emulate that. Yeah, it's much more subdued art and much more writer yeah. driven uh, comic books, which, you know, is cool. I like the, you know, I think we've, I, I, I like that transition because, you know, coming up in that time, um, you know, I kind of grew up on like Claremont and his and people like Frank Miller and Alan Moore. Oh, and, yeah, Frank uh, Miller. And then, it kind of Alan trans- Moore's great too. Yeah, I love like Washington. some really classic writers, and then it kind of switched yeah. to very artist-driven, and then it switched back to the writer-driven, which I like a lot. Um, you know, I think there's some really uh, amazing writers out there just doing oh yeah phenomenal stuff. So yeah, I think a comic book is kind of like a song where it used to be the lyricist was the big thing. Then at one point, the beat is the big thing. Yeah, yeah. And I really think for a good song or a good comic book is the art and the writing both have to be just, they're both is just as important, yeah. you know? Yeah. You need the great artist to really visualize and capture people's eye. And then you need a great story because good art with a horrible story is nothing. Like who wants to read it and continue yeah. reading it? Well, it's also, it's such a, you know, it's, I mean, I've said this a million times over the years, defending comic books, but it's such an underrated medium because there's so much that goes into it. Because not only do you need a good artist and a good writer, but you need them to make sense on the books together, you know? Yeah. You can't have, like, uh, you know, a guy like Kyle Baker 
you know, doing like a Punisher book. You know, he's too bubbly in comic, but like too bubbly yeah. cartoony for something that dark That's and gritty, you know? So you have to find, it's not just an, a, I mean, Kyle Baker's a very talented artist, but, yeah. you know, you have to put him on, you know, he did like a run on Plastic Man for DC. Yeah. Like that makes sense. You Which know? is perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like that's a good fit for him. For sure. Yeah. I try to definitely find artists, I think, that can go good with, the style of Red Talons going for, which is, you know, gritty. It's fun. It's got action, um, exciting. Like the side characters. I love some of the side characters even more than Red Talons, the main character. But my true love is Scorcher. Yeah. Because he's basically me in the books. Okay. His name is Kane Johnson and I'm Ken. And he's like, he's really important as well, especially in the novel, uh, Scorcher's character is almost just as much as the main character as Red Talon. Okay. In that book, because it's just he's working for the bad guys. He's working for Dark. He, but it's against his will type of thing. Okay. You know, so that character has room for growth where people haven't even really seen where Scorcher's going to go yet. Not even by book four. Yeah. So it's there's lots, be, lots, yeah. Of, lots of layers in there. The, oh uh, yeah. So you said uh, you're uh, you still you're a comic book fan. You like X Men. What uh, uh, I personally X Men is my main thing. I love that's my huge. That was always my love nice. too. So yeah, I actually I well. The, Wolverine is, has always been my favorite character. This is terrible for the for the viewer for the listeners. But if you can yeah. see behind me, that's those, awesome. Those wow. are all boxes of comic books. Uh, the uh, I've got. I'm only missing number one through four of the original run. I have every other Dude, that's sick. So of the books. Um, that's awesome. I would love to send you my books, you know, for putting me on your show, if that's cool with you. Oh, you yeah, man. Them. I will. Uh, Maybe get, Adam's Shoe Collection. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to read them, too. I'll, I'll get uh, I'll get you my address after the show. So, um, awesome. What, uh, so uh, X-Men is, uh, what, who's your favorite X-Men character? Uh, definitely Wolverine. Oh, Wolverine. Yeah, you said that. Wolverine. I know he's that. a lot of people's either yeah. their favorite or their least favorite character yeah. ever. Um, you know, I'm an Aries, so, you know, I think I've always had a little bit of like a thing with anger, which I kind of have worked through okay. later in life. So I really always um, identified with characters like Wolverine or Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z, Raphael from Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, if there was like a fire character, like I grew up with Bionicles, I always loved the fire ones. So these characters who were good guys, but were tough, were angry, they really um, identified with them heavily. So that's like where why Wolverine was one of my favorites because yeah. he was just in there shredding people up, but he's a good guy, <laughs> you know. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it's that like uh, it's that middle ground, you know, of like yeah. Uh, having some some honor, but also knowing when to, you know, when to bend the rules. Yeah, exactly, um, and that's really uh, where Red Talon falls yeah. too. Do you have a do you have a least favorite X Men character? Hmm, least favorite. They're all they're all pretty cool. I forget his name. He's like some uh, telepathic dude with pink hair. Quentin Quire. Quentin. He's interesting. I just felt like he was just kind of like a very random addition to the team when we already had like telepaths like Jean Grey and Xavier and stuff like that. Or Did you read Grant's Mor Grant Morrison's run uh, on uh, X-Men? 
Uh, I, I think I read some of them, yeah. Yeah, there's like 2001 to probably like, I don't know, 2004, you know, is issue number two or one, what was it? Or also Jubilee, like I, I wish they had gave her better powers. Like I like her as a character, yeah. but I feel like they really underpowered her for some reason. Yeah, well, you know, they need they needed like a young female, yeah. uh, like kind of hapless female character. You know, it was it was Kitty Pride for a long time, and then it was kind of yeah. kind of rogue, and then it was you know Jubilee. I don't know if they ever upgraded Jubilee, but it would have been cool to see her like as she got older, maybe become more powerful than she started out, or something like that. Yeah, I think they in recent years they she lost her powers during M Day. And yeah. then, and then she became a vampire. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. And then I, you know, they all have their powers back now because the new era. Are you reading anything currently still? Um, I pick up, you know, some comics here and there. I I've, I've read some of the X Men, like the Krakoa line. They've been going on for yeah. a couple years. Um, I honestly don't always have the money to buy comic books like all the time, like I would want to. Yeah. But I sometimes I just go into a store and I might just pick out something that like pops out at me yeah. versus like reading entire lines really in recent times. Yeah, as what, much as I want to. There's that. Uh, what is it? Marvel Unlimited. This is the most recent one I got. It's not that recent of a comic, but it's a Wolverine book, and I just thought it looked pretty badass. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I yeah. got that book. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I haven't. I oh, I did read that. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I really liked the Ultimate X-Men comics yeah. from the early 2000s. Yeah, I think Mark Millar was a really interesting writer, especially for yeah. the X-Men. Yeah, he was. Oh, that guy, have you read much more of his stuff? Like uh, Kick-Ass or Nemesis or any of the other Oh, he's just, I didn't even know he was the same guy who wrote Kick-Ass. Yeah, the yep, Ult- yep. yeah I love he, Kick-Ass. He wrote Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass is awesome. Uh, he also wrote, uh, yeah, he, he wrote like, you know, that movie, uh, Kingsman. Yes. He wrote a mo- a book. He wrote the comic book version of that. It was called secret. Gotcha. I think it was called secret service. Yeah. Um, and those are great movies too. Yeah. So, or, or, uh, he's really good. The, there's a show on Netflix called Jupiter's legacy. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched that yet. I saw the scenes. Did you like that? Uh, you watched I, it? I started watching it. I, I yeah. Unfortunately, I never got to – I just didn't have the time. But he wrote – You know, that's based off a comic book he wrote. That's sick. So, yeah, he's done a ton of stuff. But, yeah, he has. Well, I didn't know he had all those titles. Oh, yeah. He's got a huge, uh, huge catalog of his creator-owned stuff he's done. That's really awesome. I can see why, you know, the, the ultimate comics were so good with them working on them. Then. Yeah, yeah. He's got a very it's unique voice. Something about Scott, yeah. dudes from Scotland, because, like, that's where that's where Grant Morrison's from and, like, yeah. uh, Warren Ellis. And I think just dudes from Scotland just have, like, a fucking crazy prism that they, they look at things through. They do. Actually, a uh, dude from Scotland created one of the characters in the Red Talon universe. Yeah. Because, you know, between me writing the book and middle school, I was really into, like, online role plays. Yeah. Like, text-based role plays, not even Dungeons & Dragons. And I made an online role play because I've always kind of been, like, a game master for Red Talon. This was 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. And it doesn't even exist anymore. This is before I even had dreams of making it something real. And there's people who joined that game 
that I'm still friends with to this day, like one dude named Amon, and he lives in New Jersey. He created the character Calyx, who's in the books today. And then there's a guy named Dennis from Scotland who created a couple characters, and one of them is being shown in book four for the first time. Damn. So I always like to give credit to people who also helped create the characters in the universe because I didn't create every character myself. Some of them were my family. My sister made a character. My dad, my stepbrother made a character who's a major side character who's in almost every book. Yeah. And it's cool to have different minds come together and help flesh out you know, the universe. Yeah, wait until the movie rights come calling and then you got I know, and it's gonna be a nightmare. Thinking <laughs> <laughs> everyone's gonna lawyer up. Yeah. Yeah, Thanksgiving's gonna be real weird after that. Uh you're, you're... Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely gonna have some uh some contracts signed before yeah. we get to there. But so far nobody knows come knocking because you know, Red Talent's still staying a little bit small, but it's getting there. But yeah. you know, when there's a movie deal and there's millions, you know, things could change for sure. So it's definitely yeah. something to think about. <laughs> um, so like what with with us, um, the publishing company again that you work with, how's that? Yeah. How does that work? Is that are they just distributing it or they're, they're getting you access to? I mean, is it are they are they paying for some of the stuff or is it just all kind of how, you know, I don't know how much that you can talk about, but it's. So Starcross, the way it works so far in my eyes is it is kind of like it's still on you to produce your book, but they have given me so many resources of different artists, different letterers. We've done collab books like Biblical Proportions yeah. is Starcross's best-selling book so far, and you can check that book out or I can send you a link. And it's a book that has all these different indie comic characters in one book, even characters that aren't in Starcross, he opened it up for other indie comic creators okay. to put their characters in there. So it's like this big collab. It's kind of like our end game type thing yeah. going on. And we're going to be releasing a sequel to that pretty soon, too. Okay. Um, also, he's working there. We're working on a distribution deal now. We've worked on a couple other deals, some of them have fallen through. So that's something we've actively been uh, looking for, and we're working on a distribution deal right now, and I pray that it goes good because that yeah. is really where more sales are going to be coming through. You know, we'll all have access to more money for our titles, yeah, and then indeed. that way, you know, more things can be paid for. Um, basically, I've done all the Kickstarters myself on my side, and I make sure everybody gets all their books, everything they order. You know, I see all the time on Facebook there's – People make Kickstarters and it could take years or people never get their stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I don't operate like that. I'm very um, neat with all that and I make sure everybody gets their stuff because I want everybody to get yeah. their stuff. My God, Rob, Rob Liefeld still owes Oh yeah, uh, for like a brigade book that got funded like 13 years ago or something like wow. that. You know, that he got, yeah, he got, he put it on Kickstarter, got fully funded, and then he just... I didn't even know Kickstarter was around 13 years ago. Yeah, it was I mean, crazy. It, yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, uh, it was... And it just come he now people people message him all the time and they're like hey because he'll, he'll he's still putting new kickstarters up for for new projects they're like yeah. hey can we get that one you gave you know you promised us from years ago and he'll just block him on twitter you know he just blocks yeah. him. Like, he's never gonna do it and i'm like no. the, the shitty thing is that 
what's the other maybe it wasn't kickstarter it could have been one of the other ones there's like uh indiegogo or one of those ones yeah whichever one it was or or uh you know one of those but it's like aren't aren't they supposed to do something in this case like take the funds back or not let them do more campaigns at least or what did they yeah. you know they've got some autonomy over this to, to make sure these people aren't getting screwed so not as much as you would think yeah you know it really is up to the creator, I guess. Really, they can do what he's doing. Yeah. I don't think I would ever do that. I don't know why. Yeah. I would put something together, collect people's funds, and not give them something, you know. Right. I, but I'm not Rob. I'm not in his shoes. I don't know what happened with that project, but maybe something happened that totally derailed it. Well, I mean. And <laughs> I don't know. You, I mean, know like, you know, he's the guy that was supposed to write it. And, yeah. I mean, he can write it and pencil it. He can do it. So it's like. Yeah. You know, he can do everything himself. That does help. Too. Yeah. So yeah. it just he at this no, point he just yeah. he just didn't do it. You know, which yeah. which sucks because, uh, but also it's so funny because I mean I don't know how much you know about Image Comics and like Rob Liefeld's history, but the guy. If yeah, you, I know he's a pretty controversial guy. Yeah. You know, you either love or you hate him. I'm kind of neutral on him. I do see some of the stuff he does. Maybe some people don't agree with, but he's helped create or co-create so many like yeah. really interesting characters that he's definitely left an impact well he's he's definitely you know? he definitely is a unique character he's yeah. definitely prolific he he has he love it or hate it he's got a a style um yeah and yeah he's had an impact on the industry he's very like trailblazing but what i think is so funny is if you know when image comics started with the original yeah. six founders right and then they all kind of started their own studio inside of image and started releasing their own books if you look at it was called extreme uh extreme studios was his right yeah and then he started a, a something independent of that called maximum press and then he started another one oh, called, i remember maximum press yeah, yeah. then there's another one called awesome comics after that those were all his and i've heard of that too yeah if you look at all the series they produced he made so many books that just made like one issue and then yeah. or maybe two issues, but most of so many that are one with like a to be continued and then just never comes back. He just makes a new comic book with a new number one. And you're like, like a completely different character. You're like, Rob, yeah. you take some fucking Adderall, get off the ADD <laughs> shit and like stick, like yeah. make uh, the second book, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why I'm really sticking to Red Talon right now is I do have all kinds of different ideas for characters. There's all kinds of side characters in Red Talon who are really interesting and could have their own books. But I really want to tell the main story that takes place yeah. in Red Talon. I don't want to leave people off at issue three, issue four, you know, going on. I definitely got to be, you know, 10 issues, 20, 30 issues. Yeah. I just wanted to keep going. And then... You know, stuff is doing better than I could do side issues. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, I, I assume the goal. Characters. I assume the goal is, if things are going better, there's more income coming from the comic book, which allows you more yeah. more time away from other jobs to so you can you know start shifting yeah. that those priorities over to comics, and then you have the time to. That's know. what I'm hoping the book does for me. Okay. We, uh, you know, me and my mom, my team, we have a lot of faith in this book. It's really good. I worked on it for six years. Um, it really just expands. It's like the Gotham TV show for Batman. Yeah. It's like Red Talent's Gotham. So, and, oh, sorry, go ahead, finish. Oh, no, no, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, how is that book, 
that's such an I mean, I, I like the concept and it makes yeah. I, like I get what you're saying. How is that going to reach the audience? Because, I mean, obviously you want it to reach the audience of people who read Red Talon. But, yeah. but you know, I mean, it's a book. So are you anticipating re it reaching people who don't read Red Talon and then that bringing them to the comic also? Or how how is that playing out? How is it being marketed? I know I am going, I think, for a strategy that maybe a lot of authors haven't done with their books and comics. And there might be people who find my book because we're going for like the Harry Potter, the Mortal Instruments, books like that. Yeah. You know, like teen action novels. We're going for that audience. So there might be people who read the Red Talent book series who never even read the comics. And to yeah. me, that's okay because they're still going to be reading this different this slice of the universe sure. and then there's people who will read the book and they're like oh there's comic books that's awesome they're gonna read the comic books and that's okay with me and i love that too yeah. and then there might be people who only want to read the red talent comic books and not the books and that's okay with me too because yeah. either way they're supporting the universe in some way where they can be i'm going for a separate but connected thing yeah yeah where the books will be written in a way where you don't have to read the comics they're going to be continued the comics are going to be in a way you don't have to read the books they're going to be continued where it's not the exact same material but it all ties together it's like yeah. telling the same story but different little pieces and parts of it on either side yeah if you want the whole connective tissue you can read it all but separately exactly. they're still readable also so but i mean so is it how are you selling that in comic stores or how are you just selling it exclusively through i mean how's that being well, marketed we're so? gonna get it on um kindle you okay. know we're gonna get it on amazon i've had the red talent books on comicology in the past and then comicology merged i think with amazon or kindle they merged with kindle so now it's all owned by one parent company so we have to re-release the comics on comicology didn't, a second time didn't comicsology just fold did they i thought they completely recently like said they were maybe. totally closing um or they, maybe it's amazon comics is what it is amazon has their own comicology-esque comic section now okay okay and that's what we're going to be releasing the digital versions on that as well with the book is going to be on Amazon. We're going to, my mom's a printer. We're going to print it in house, yeah. but we're also going to ship it, you know, to Scholastic. We want to get it in like the elementary school bookstores, you know, when the kids are doing their, they're going to the little bookstore thing. We want to get that in there. Um, honestly, I forgot your original question. I might be rambling. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. So I, that, that brings up an interesting point, though, what, you know, getting in elementary schools, what's the kind of target audience for not only the book, but the comic book? I mean, is it something that you would, yeah. you know, is like a teen and up, older teen? Is it something elementary school kids would, can read, you know? it. So it basically is kind of like what I would say Marvel and DC, where it's family friendly, but it's going to have parts you know action stuff where some families may not you know the new cover has red talon chopping people up with a tomahawk that yeah. might not fly in an elementary school yeah but the book will but then i'll have variant covers i have a variant cover planned where he's going to be flying with his wings out you know and that would be okay in the elementary school so you know some of the cursing is taken out even though you know i love to curse and all that but i really wanted to make red talon 
action-packed but accessible to everybody yeah so i do have ideas for you know adult oriented versions of red talent in the future yeah. where that kind of can be taken away like i love the show the boys i think it's great oh, like though yeah. so some of it i had to skip i had to skip through one scene in the boys where it was just season the newest season it was just too much for me is it where he goes in the guy's dick yeah exactly i'm just like i'm not comfortable finishing this scene i skipped ahead so you know when he had him in the baggie or something like that that part cracked me up so bad i was like it's just for like it was uh, hilarious i just found it pretty disgusting i was just yeah it's a lot uh that's uh i don't know if you know garth ennis uh the writer garth ennis yeah he's the guy who wrote the boys he wrote you know he's known for he had a long run on the punisher among other things but my god i didn't know he did the punisher yeah he he did the punisher uh max series so like in in the early 2000s when they're doing like that mature line he did that for probably years um really in in its uh really good uh, but it is i mean he is over the top the guy yeah. put, you know just completely goes over the top with any um you know yeah. graphicness and in pushing boundaries which i i like personally i love it i like that um unapologetic like hey i'm gonna make this as crazy as like yeah. like a guy a miniature guy crawls up a guy's dick hole and then ex- yeah like explodes, how does he even you know, think like, of that you know? yeah it, <laughs> it's like i love i you know it's just like i like weird shit like that though where you know it's like i don't need to watch this but also i do like living in a world that there's someone out there that's being like listen this is what we're gonna do you know it's like the characters are great carl carl urban in that show is uh, like amazing the acting yeah. yeah You know, the story is good, the characters. So even when the show's not being super crazy, it's like a good grounded show to me with good writing, but then it just takes it up to that crazy level. And, like, I'd rather watch The Boys than, like, She-Hulk. I watched She-Hulk, and I saw what they were going for, but I just found it a little hard to watch some of the writing, like, especially the last episode. I was just Mm. like, this writing is not up some like where i'd want to see she hawk you know i know she breaks the fourth wall and all this but i feel like there was a classier way they could have done things than they really did with she hawk but i don't know yeah it was she she was an interesting take i will say i i enjoyed she hulk because it was uh i mean i love seeing you know meg the stallion and she hawk and stuff like that i thought it was cool it's great to see daredevil again yeah yeah. It just felt like a lot of random plot threads yeah. well, going on. That's that's part of honestly part of what I kind of enjoyed about it is that there yeah. wasn't a it wasn't like a there wasn't really a clear antagonist. And there wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like a villain of the week thing. There wasn't like a a giant um monster there's not the giant blue light that's going to blow up the earth that they have to fight it's just kind of like a slice of life hey i don't really want to be a superhero but i have these powers and i get the main antagonist is really just men who yeah hated on her you know so so i like that concept where there there was more to it than just hey here's this guy with yeah. these powers and he's going to fight this guy and he's going to almost lose where you think he's going to die. Then he miraculously comes back and wins. You're like, yeah, that's kind of every other. That is true. You know, so there was, you know, I like that it broke up that 
formula at least. Yeah, it was it was very different. But, um, it's still probably one of my least favorite Marvel MCU projects so far. Yeah, and I, I like almost all of them. You know, some of them more than others. But do you have I like a, the MCU. do you have a favorite? Probably I'd have to say probably Endgame or even maybe like Iron Man one or mm-hmm. some of the old ones. Yeah, I think they were all really good. Phase four just got a little. It's just it was so much like with the Eternals and stuff, which is a good movie, but it's just like showing how it was all connected. Yeah, it was just like they were like, all right, we need to take all the characters we haven't shown yet. Let's throw them all into this phase. Yeah, see what does good, see what <laughs> doesn't, you know. And then now they're like, oh, we're gonna rein it back and do more quality over quantity. Yeah, well, and I can so- really see that. Sometimes less is more, you know, I yeah. mean, that's the problem with, you know, it's like, I remember when, like, I'm a, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, uh, or I should say was, um, was. because the, is it the new ones? Well, it depends on what you say is new. So was like, the cause, yeah, cause so I mean, I'm old enough to remember the, you know, the original trilogy was what I grew yeah. up on and that was my like gold standard. They're great. Yeah. They're so much fun. They're, they are. They're, they're awesome. And then uh, they said they were going to make a new trilogy. And I always, you know, they talked about it my entire life. They always said they're going to, they're yeah. going to. And I'm like, never happened, never happened. And finally, 1999, yep. they're going to do it. They make this movie. And I went and saw it opening night. And it was so fucking bad. It was really? like, 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 I mean, The Phantom Menace is. Yeah. It, it is. Too political. Dan, it's it's just it's just boring, you know. It's like in it's in it it's just it's just a horrific movie. But it, it gave us Darth Maul. It well, it gave you three seconds of Darth Maul. The best <laughs> thing about it, it had no yeah, lines, it, and then was chopped in half. And you know, I'm like, so the and then I started realizing. Then I'm like, well, maybe the next one. And then Attack of the Clones is bad. And then they made yeah. you know whatever the other one was. I forget uh, what the Revenge third, of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and bad. So now you're now I'm looking at this franchise going, okay, we were th- three and oh. Yeah. Now we're three and three. We're fifty percent now. That's an F. Like yeah. so you know, now we're getting now they're like, okay, wait, they make another trilogy. And I'm like, well, this is the point where you can really start start tipping into because mm-hmm. you know, eventually you're gonna get to a point where more of your product is bad than good, and then your franchise is shit instead yeah. of just classic thing you know yeah so and i didn't like any of the new movies either the new friend the new trilogy yeah the new ones uh fell a little short for me too see i grew up with the prequels i was five when phantom menace came out yeah i remember seeing pictures of darth maul thinking wow he looks terrifying he does i'm probably gonna be scared and then i watched the movie where he almost said nothing and as a kid that was okay i was like wow that really wasn't that scary he almost didn't say anything. Yeah. So I almost think it's almost like every trilogy they do is for like a different generation. The prequels is really for the millennial like uh, generation, like pe- uh, even before the Gen Zers. Yeah. And people my age really love the prequels, people 27, 28, 29, because that is the Star Wars we grew up with. And then our parents are like, all right, these are the originals. Yeah. And then I think that's the same thing with the new Disney one for kids. But, you know, now I'm not the target audience anymore. Yeah. This isn't the first new cutting edge Star Wars I've seen. And it's just such a retread on some of the stuff. Yeah. And 
Oh yeah. Well, yeah. The first one, whatever, of Force Awakens. But then the Mandalorian is great. You the, know, Mandalorian was pretty good. I think Boba Fett was really bad. I liked Obi Wan. Think so. Yeah, I thought Boba Fett was terrible. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's just like it's just like seven episodes of an overweight old guy kind of meandering around a lot. Uh, like, yeah. Um, the. Uh, it, it also took away a lot of the mystique of Boba Fett and that is true. He, he took off his helmet so much. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what I always say. Maybe this will resonate with you as an X-Men fan. Um, yeah. Although given your age, it maybe won't affect, maybe this may walk a line for you. But like, so when I was growing up, the biggest thing about the X-Men, one of the craziest things was that no one knew anything about Wolverine's past. Okay. They only knew his name was Logan and yeah. they knew some like Alpha Flight, some stuff of his past. Yeah, um, you know Barry Windsor Smith did a Marvel Comics Presents story about his Weapon X days, which was like because really, Xavier couldn't read his mind. Yeah, the, the metal been, skull, he couldn't get anything out of him at that time. Yeah, I, I do remember that. So you know, and that was the that was what that was part of his mystique and the allure. You're like. They, because your mind would swim thinking, like, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, could be anything, you know? Yeah. And, and it could have been anything. And then in like 2001, Marvel created the origin story with like Paul Jenkins wrote it and Adam Kubert drew it. And it's a great book and it's a cool story and it's a great read. But then after you read it, yeah, you know the origin of Wolverine. And now after that, you're like, you look at him, you're like, you're just not as cool anymore. I just there's yeah. there's not that mystery, you know. That is true. So sometimes that like not knowing is better than having all the answers. Yeah, the mystery does kind of bring you into things. I remember that's why I fell in love with um, the Bionicle toys and Mystique in the early two thousands. Yeah, is they were these robots. They're living on a tropical island, and there was these ancient stones. There was this language they made up. You really had no idea. Like I learned to read playing some of those games as a kid. Oh damn! And it was just so mysterious. Like I had, you had no idea what was going on, where they're going with it. Yeah. And it is, you know, it's a dead franchise now. As that franchise went on, as they did go back and start telling, you know, the entire story and giving you all the pieces to the story, it once it lost that, you know, that mysteriousness, it does. It's totally different. Yeah. And it's not the same anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of, you know, it's. Not knowing, not having those answers and be able to fill it in and have to guess. It's like that is is part of the, uh, yeah, it's just part of that allure. So, um, so it'll definitely be after a character in Red Town that I'll just never tell his backstory. Yeah, yeah. Just never give him a name. <laughs> He's always shrouded in the shadows yeah. and darkness, you know, uh, it, just forever. You just keep people yep. in the dark about it. Um, so, uh, what's the, moving forward, you know, you got this fourth episode or this fourth issue coming out. When's it coming out? Um, is the Kickstarter done on it or still going on? Um, the Kickstarter hasn't started yet. Okay. Cause I really just finished the script maybe two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Cause as I said, it took me so long to do the fourth book script cause it's like so much is going on. He's working, um, for the CIA in this book. Oh, damn. He's getting... He's becoming a fame because in the other books, he's not a famous hero. People don't know who Red Talon is. Yeah. And this book in the world, there's movies being made of him. You know, he's getting in the public face. It's a really big new chapter for him. So, you know, the way we do it at Starcross is I'm not going to start the Kickstarter 
for the book until I have all the art done. Cause I don't want to be like one of those yeah. guys who give people their stuff. So yeah. I make sure everything's done, you know, all the boxes are checked and then we'll roll out the Kickstarter. I'm really hoping to release it this summer. You know, I, I think, you know, I'm getting the script edited now Then I'm going to start flying through getting the art done get it colored and from there you know hopefully by the summer is really when i'm going to try to release this book okay yeah um so tell people where they can find it find you support it and uh all that oh yeah so um i brought all my social medias up earlier so if you want to support starcross and any physical or digital comics of any of starcross titles you can find them on starcrosscomics.com and then when it comes to Red Talon, we have a Facebook page. You just search Red Talon Comic Book. That'll get you to our Facebook page. We have a Twitter for Red Talon. And you can also search Red Talon Comics. But the at for my Twitter is dark, as in the bad guys, dark forces comic. Okay. You know, when I first started my Twitter, Red Talon, the book was going to be called Dark Forces and everything because that's the bad guys. So Dark Forces Comic is our Twitter and then we also have an Instagram, and I believe that is Red Talon Official. Red Talon Comics, at Red Talon Comics right. is our Instagram. So okay. that's all of our socials so far, where you can find us, where you can support us. And soon we're going to have our stuff back on Amazon as well. The comics, the novel, if you're interested yeah. in reading that. Um, I was really fun... Uh, writing the novel versus the comics because I always started with prose writing. That's yeah. where I came from, where you can add all the details, all the feelings. You know, with a comic book, you can only say so much. People are like, don't have them talk too much, don't have too many words. You have to have this balance of the pictures and the words telling the story. Yeah, yeah. Very different, you know, writing a script for the comic book versus the novel. So it's really a lot of fun to be able to take the same character, but really go into his origins, into his mind and how he got where he is yeah. when the comic starts. Yeah, you get that deeper, deeper feel sticking it out. So um, any uh, any thoughts for the next one, number five timeline or, you know? Um, I'm going to try to keep it going and hopefully the number five will be out in 2023. Okay. Definitely going to drop the fourth book this year, fifth one next year. Yeah. And hopefully if this distribution comes through, it might be faster. Yeah. You know, I would love to see it maybe become quarterly or even one small goal would be two books a year. I have done a couple side books with Starcross while working on Red Talon. We did like a collab book called Standing in the Light. And I did a four page story in that. And it's about Calyx because Standing in the Light is a book where it focuses on all of the African-American and black characters within Starcross. Okay. So it's different stories by different creators of the different black characters we have. And I really like that because that story is Calyx versus Scorcher, my favorite character. And, you know, they're rivals. And Calyx has made my, my good friend Amin. And then I also did another side story in a book we did released called Starcross United, which was just different little two to four page stories. And that one has to do with Burning Skull, who is Red Talon's arch rival. Yeah. Burning Skull murdered his parents when he was a kid. And the, the novel is Red Talon and the Burning Skull. Wow. Okay. He is the first leader of Dark because it's like a ladder. 
So every time he defeats a new main villain, it just keeps going up and up all the way to the council. It's just going to be all these different villains yeah. that he's going to have to face. All right. So, yeah. There it is. Well, um, good, man. Well, we're, ex- uh, we're excited to see the, what happens with the next one and keep it going. And hopefully, you know, maybe you can find uh, some major publisher, pick it all up and swoop it and bring, it, bring it to a monthly, monthly, monthly place. So, you know, um, a major publisher send them my way. I think they would <laughs> love, to add, yeah. love to add red talent to the universe. And I really appreciate you having me on here. Um, this is a great podcast, and I definitely thank you to all your fans. Thank you, DC, for having me on there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Appreciate you coming on. All right, guys. Well, uh, we're going to get out of here for the week, but uh, follow Ken Keller. Follow Red Talon Comics on Instagram and more. Uh, um, follow – just uh, hit up all the pages. Follow – help donate to the – the uh, Kickstarter, get that fourth one and pick up all the past ones, the book and lots more coming out and uh, keep it moving guys, support local, support small uh, independent creators and um, yeah man, I mean as much as I love Marvel Comics uh, you know, Disney's got money, they don't need the money anymore, Uh, also most of what they're making is shit now Uh, yeah the uh, uh, it's something fresh, you know, yeah yeah man, um the and what's the worst that could happen? You buy an independent book and it's also bad. I mean, you're buying, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, not to say it is, but like, you know, and I mean, Marvel is really, uh, I read a lot of their monthly books still, and man, there's very little that's that's good to great. Um, so I think they've just done so much, they don't know where to take the stories now. I mean, I think that might be part of it. I think a big part of it too is there's, yeah. It's so diluted with trying to. Yeah. There's uh, agendas in comics everywhere now yeah. too. Well, there with Marvel, there's an agenda by the editors, which is pushed down from the executives to make yeah. it fit a certain narrative to make it in sync with the films. Because yeah. comic books are basically a lost leader. If at best, at best, Marvel comics breaks even. So Disney's yeah. only still producing the comic books to keep the nerds happy, who so they come watch the movies. Um, so, you know, which is sad, but true. And then also optics of, you know, whatever, you know, not to get political, but like the optics of PC culture, you can only do so much. So like they don't, they shy away from so many topics and push towards other topics to make it look like, Hey, look at us. We're, We're woke. We're good. Yeah. Right. You know, so, and then it just, you know, which not that there's like, "Quote unquote woke topics that you can't make a good story about." Yeah, but of course. You have, you know, it has to be a genuine story, not just we're doing exactly. this. Exactly. You can tell when it's just been forced into the story, right? You know, versus it just happening naturally. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what I love about Red Town is we're really not trying to tell any agenda, folk, any uh, force anything on either political spectrum. Yeah, we're just trying to tell a kick-ass story of a guy fighting against evil who killed his parents and just going down the rabbit hole of all these different things. Love it. Great. All right. Well, I look forward to uh, reading it also. And uh, everyone, again, follow Red uh, Talon Comics on Instagram. Get all the 
follow all the pages and uh, help donate and uh, keep it going, guys. And as for me, go to DeeceComedy.com. Check out everything going on across the network. We're uh, working on getting shows back to weekly for the podcast. And also, I uh, you won't see me live anywhere for the next couple weeks, but we do have some social hour comedy shows around the country in Spokane, Washington, San Diego, uh, uh Oak Harbor, Washington, and uh, other places. Go find, just check out the dates. And uh, I will be back on the road uh, again, February 23rd and 24th in Houston, Texas for a weekend. Then mid-March, the 2023 garbage tour is uh, continuing, marching on, uh, marching on in the Midwest. So, uh, all right, guys. Well, that's it for the social hour. Uh, I've been Deese for Ken Keller and the Red Talon. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you, Deese. Yeah, thank you, man. And uh, we will see you all next week.